0: In the Old Testament, my Bible is open to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This was what Moses said to the people of God in that dispensation of time for their faithful application in their families, containing valuable principles for our study today. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you're going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. And that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What we've read is from the Old Testament given from God through Moses to the children of Israel during the time of the old covenant. I want us to notice And perhaps I emphasized this in the reading five verbs here and there is no doubt these verbs ought to be meaningful and challenging today with reference to our relationship with God and our duty in the family relationship and I'm talking about these five words or forms of these words In the passage fear keep care love and teach if I can get all this right in my relationship with God if I can get all this right but then also make certain the next generation can see this and hear this and take it seriously God will be pleased Christ will be pleased, and we will have set ourselves on a course toward an eternal destination that will never be disappointing, but rather glorious. Fear, keep, care, love, and teach. Fear the Lord your God. This is not the fear of paralyzing terror that just stands still. Like running from a threat, paralyzed by worry and dread, either running from a threat or just standing still in dread. Fear, as it relates to our relationship with God in the Bible, captures the idea of a healthy respect for the Creator... For all that he is, all that he has said, all that he has promised. And that's the result when you open your mind to what scripture says about God. When you observe in scripture his power, his love, his wrath, his mercy. And you take all that in when you discover his plan that sent his son, when you understand the grace that offered that plan, the gospel, when you maturely and soberly grasp the consequences of sin, the reality of the judgment day, but also the hope offered to those who respond to the creator, that can generate within your mind a healthy respect for who God is and what he should mean to us. And this reverence for God that's captured by that word fear crosses all dispensational boundaries. The writer of the book of Proverbs said, the beginning of wisdom is fearing God. If I want to behave wisely here on earth if I want to know what is right and discern error and turn away from Satan's approaches and keep my attitude in check and live as I should in all my relationships with people, it all begins with this healthy respect of the Creator. This healthy respect of the Creator. Referred to in Hebrews chapter 11, Verses 6 and 7. You'll be familiar with what's illustrated here. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. In reverent fear. Constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. My attitude toward God should be based on one my conviction that God is. And two who he is. A rewarder of those who seek him. God is and who he is a rewarder of those who seek him now this kind of faith has in it what we're talking about here captured by that word fear godly fear illustrated by noah did you hear this being warned by god concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear he constructed that ark for the saving of his household reverence our God. Not just in an assembly though it should certainly be present there. But reverence in heart and in life every day knowing who we're dealing with. God is worthy of our praise, our obedience, our respect. And this is all wrapped up in this word fear. Fear the Lord your God. Keep All his statutes and commandments. Obedience is not a concept that is celebrated widely in our society today. It is considered to be subservient, to be obedient. And to be subservient is a sweeping negative in our time. To be avoided, spoken against, and minimized. But obedience is never subservient or negative or to be minimized when you're talking about obedience to the Creator. See, it is this truth that because God is who He is and we respect Him, obedience to Him just follows. Conversely, disobedience always exhibits... A lack of respect for him as illustrated in the Bible, first by Adam and Eve, (coughs) then later by Nadab and Abihu and Saul and Ananias and Sapphira and so many others. In fact, according to Romans 3, we are all guilty of disobedience and that's why God sent his son that we might be justified by an obedient faith in the Son. Obedience is man's wise acquiescence to the greatness of the One who made us. Isaiah expressed what we are as stated by God through the prophet when he said in Isaiah 55, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I need to keep the statutes and commandments of God based on my fear, my respect for him who is higher. Care. In many realms of human activity, there's interest in being careful when people travel we may say to those who are embarking on a trip be careful now when people have symptoms of an illness we never say we'll just be careless when we pay our bills and balance our budgets and take our medication and drive our cars in so many areas of life everybody agrees we have to be careful But when it comes to morals and religion and matters having to do with eternity, that common care and discipline is often slighted. And is just not a factor at all. But for us who are God's people, care means attention consistently. It means thoughtful, deliberate, intentional, sensible. Titus 3 and verse 8, the saying is trustworthy and I want to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Love the Lord your God. One of the easiest words in English to pronounce. But we apply that word to every sort of thing in such a broad way. Every sort of thing that we could conceive. And we also may be inclined to use this word rather quickly, even defensively when it comes to God. I love God. I love Jesus, I can sing the song, and I love the Bible, I love my family, my neighbor, my fellow Christian, I love the church. It's easy for those words to roll right out of our mouths. And if genuine, it's fine to vocalize your love. But doesn't it all come down to evidence in behavior? John said we must love not just in word, but in deed. Now, talk about love in the highest sense, loving God who loved us. If I love God, John says in 1 John 5, 3, I will keep his commandments. When we obey the gospel, that's our pledge to respond to the love of God with our love for him as exhibited in consistent obedience. When we worship, that must always be an expression of our love for God. When we preach the gospel, we preach the gospel because we love God and the truth he gave us. When we read our Bibles and pray, love for God ought to be present in that practice. Say no to sin and yes to righteous living because we love God. Jesus illustrated what it means to love God. Paul wrote about it. Peter did too, along with all New Testament and Old Testament writers. So it will never get old, never get old-fashioned for me to inquire of myself on this very fundamental level. Do I love God? And is that love for him not just a confession, But is that love from him evidenced by my attitude and my conduct? We have fear. Keep the statutes. That's obedience. Care. And then we have teach the next generation. Everything we've been talking about. Teach the next generation. Not just in words, but through example. Everything we've been talking about regarding fearing God, keeping His commandments, being careful, loving God. We don't want all this to stop with our generation. Our attitude isn't, well, this is good for me, but my kids can just figure out whatever they want to do. No, we want to teach them. Turn to Psalms 78. I'm going to read a part of that. Psalms 78. You know, it has always been so that God wants one generation to teach the next. That's always been so. It is a New Testament thing, but not just a New Testament thing. God has always wanted His people to teach the next generation, not just with words, but through example. Here's the part of Psalm 78 where that principle stands out. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline my ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but... Tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord in His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Now we're going to have to do this by precept and practice. Teach them and show them. And the passage in Deuteronomy I read in the beginning talks about having conversations. What do you talk to your kids about? Your grandkids. Pray for them. Pray with them. Have conversations about God and their relationship with him. It isn't just bring them to a building, though we believe Bible classes are valuable and worship, of course, is essential. Teach them, show them, talk about it. All of that. I discovered this many years ago that I'm going to read to you, and no author was given. It's not original with me. It's called A Parent's Prayer. If I remember correctly, I saw this on a plaque in someone's home. Lord, this I ask that I might be true to the trust you gave to me. That I might rear this child of mine each day to be a child of thine. That I might guide his precious feet from each new danger he will meet. And I might keep him in the fold and teach him, Lord, thy hand to hold. Tis when the big sheep go astray that off the lambs too go that way. So that is why this day I ask, Lord, make me worthy of this task. How many reasons do we need to do what Moses told those parents to do? And those people of God to do for the next generation? I can think of one. God said, do this. And Christ was sent. He lived perfectly, died, was raised, ascended to heaven, being for us the way, the truth, and the life. Don't we want the next generation to know about that? Don't we want to have those conversations? So may we remember this. Never slight this. Never get too busy for it. And pray for other parents, grandparents, That they should set their hope on God and lead their children and the next generation in that good direction. Thank you. Let's be standing as we sing.